it's an honor. It really is an honor and a privilege to be with you tonight. I have a nice PowerPoint presentation, but the adapter is where I think Mr. Harrison's working, and, and hopefully we'll get that here pretty soon. Uh, but uh, the topic tonight is I, I debated for a long time on what I wanted to speak on, and uh, it was actually about a month ago that the Lord just laid this idea of when, when it comes to parenting our teens is boundaries, otherwise known as discipline. How do we discipline our kids in such a way that they grow in godliness? I think that's our ultimate hope for our students, right? Is that we want them to be godly. We want them to love the Lord and love other people and have respect for people and respect for things in different moments. And so uh, as a parent, sometimes you, you wonder, how do I discipline a teenager? How do I do that? I can't spake them. <laughs> like when they were little kids, right? You know, you got to kind of put them in timeout. And, you know, a, a, you do that to a teenager and they're going to walk right out of the room, right? They're just going to. So as a parent, you, you kind of have to shift your perspective a lot. Um, and you have to adapt and you have to change as they get older because how you parent them when they're teenagers is way different than how you would parent them when they're eight years old or four years old or even one years old, right? And so uh, how many of you have, uh, your oldest is a teenager? Your oldest is a teenager, okay? Uh, is there any that have oldest that are in like college, older, older? Okay, we got a couple here. All right, so you've got, you've got some street cred parents right here. You know, you've gone through the teenage years, right? Uh, you have somewhat succeeded. They are out the door. That's how I feel right now with Hannah, my oldest. She is at Union University. She's studying Christian uh, studies. She is passionately headed toward uh, ministry. And um, she is learning Greek. She's taking her Greek final next week, and she's stressed out about it, right? Um, I couldn't be more proud of that kid, not because she's studying and going into ministry, but because of who she is. Like, she genuinely loves the Lord. She genuinely uh, has a healthy respect for people and, you know, authority. And I, I like to take some credit for that, right? As a parent, I like to go, oh, Steve, you did a great job raising up. I, no, I think it was, a, it was definitely a team effort because Shelly's amazing. Uh, and uh, the Lord. Uh, we just believed a whole lot about Hannah. And we thought, you know, we're just going to pray like crazy for her. And we're going to do everything we possibly can to grow her up in godliness. And we're going to do everything we can. And so um, we just made it a commitment back when they were young that we just believed that that's what she was going to be and do. Come on, here's, um, and so as we think about our students, as we think about our teens and how we parent them, I want you to think about how first, how you were parented. Back when you were 15 years old, we'll just use that magic number because everybody loves a good 15-year-old boy, right? Um, <laughs> they'll run through any wall uh, <laughs> and sarcastically look at you all the way through. Uh and so when you were 15, how were you parented? In other words, how did they discipline you? How did your parents discipline you? Take things away. Did anybody have yellers for parents? Okay, yep, I, I'm raising my hand. I had yellers, you know. Uh, my dad was in the military, okay, Air Force. Uh, my mom, a very strong-willed woman, and uh, when I was a teenager, my younger, my brother is two years younger than me. So you can imagine when I was 15, he was 13. Uh, and unfortunately, my dad being in the military was deployed. 
And so my mom was raising two teenage boys, right? You talk about stress, full. And so in those moments, there were so many times that she would yell just to get our attention. And I just remember that. I remember that so strongly. And remember, uh, oh, yeah, that's great. Thank you. No, no, no sound. Uh, and I just remember that growing up. And as, as I got into parenting my daughters, guess what I resulted to? Yelling. Now, I think you know this just as much as I know this. When you start yelling at girls, who I'm raising two girls, that doesn't always work. I can tell you from experience, it doesn't work. Uh, a quick story, sidebar, parenting mistake ever right here. I will admit my defeat. So Hannah and I have always butted heads. She is very strong. She knows what she knows, and she believes everything about it. And we would go, when she was little, we would go back and forth. And when she would start yelling, guess what? I had to yell, and I had to win, right? Because every dad wins. And then she would start yelling, and then guess what? I would have to yell. And so it just escalated and escalated, and it even got to the point where literally I am holding the door shut, yelling at her, and she's on the other side of the door just, and she is pounding on the door. And I don't let in here. I'm like, I'm going to win, right? Um, that was my attitude. I didn't say it, but that was my attitude. And it was like World War III in our house, World War III. And I got home. I, I went to bed later that night. I was so defeated, so defeated. And because, I, I mean, even though I, I quote, unquote, won the battle, I didn't feel like I, I did that right. I feel like I, I, just, I just miserably just failed. So I'm laying in bed, and Shelly goes, well, did that work? And that was the start of a, a change. I had to learn how to parent differently than the way that I had been parented. I had to grow. It was a growing moment for me. And that's the encouragement I would give for you, is to be a student of your student, to learn your child's likes and dislikes. Learn what is the trigger. Be a, and I learned for me, it wasn't yelling right? It wasn't the uh, come down, put my foot down. I'm gonna win, blah, blah, blah. So my change that I made with Hannah was I started going lower. I literally went complete opposite. And I would, when she would start yelling, I would try to go uh, down a little bit. I don't agree with you. I don't believe that. And I would get softer and softer. And she would get yelling. yelling, yelling and I just, I just kind of put my foot down at one point. I said, Hannah, it's just not going to be that way. And she storms out of the room, and I'm just as calm as I could try to be in that moment because, you know, I didn't want to, I felt like I was a lose. I was going to lose in that moment. But I ended up winning in the long run. It's now we can disagree and have a good conversation. We can go back and forth in a, in a, like a nice way. And there's, and our relationship is much better because of the attempt that I made to try to make things better um, and not just always get my way. And so uh, just learning from experience, I've learned that boundaries are a great thing for teenagers, period. I think, in working with students for the past 28 years, they want the boundaries, genuinely. I think they want to know how far they can go and what they can and cannot do. And they, I believe they want freedom all the way around. So how can we help them? How can we come alongside them and grant them the freedom that they want but do it in a way that's 
one, we're teaching them, we're equipping them, we're coming alongside them, we're hopefully equipping them for what's to come in the future. And so there's so many things, and I came across this book, Boundaries with Teens, several years ago, and it just struck a chord in my heart. Because, um, one, it helped me as a parent, and I felt like, man, we just need to do this together and just have a conversation. I have like a six-session talk on this whole idea of boundaries with teens, and I'm condensing that down into one night. (laughs) So if you got your seatbelt on, uh, hold on, um, and we'll go from there. Uh, Parenting teens is not like parenting any other age because children change dramatically through the teenage years. Is that not true? Uh, I I mentioned 15-year-olds just a minute ago. Good night. Our 15-year-olds are in the middle of um, well, for the guys, it's testosterone city, right? It is, they actually have hair under their armpits and their voices are dropping. Puberty is happening. Girls, raising girls, 15 is usually that age, right? 13, 15, when puberty starts setting in for the girls and we're navigating hormones and flare-ups and all those things. And the teenager you have one day is not going to be the same teenager you have the next day. And they... This is really a tumultuous time for, you remember when you were 15, right? (laughs) I thought I could, you know, win the world uh, and do anything and everything and all the time. And, uh, you know, and I think we need to have as parents, we need to have that kind of same understanding and a little bit of patience too, right? Because typically around 17, 18 is when they all of a sudden, that's for the guys, the girls maybe a little bit earlier, but it's all of a sudden they just start getting it. There's something that happens. There's a switch that happens. I don't know what it is, but it's all of a sudden, I just realized that for Hannah, it was like, wow, okay, this, okay. This is a little bit different. Her attitude was different. The way she was talking was a little bit different. How she was relating with me was a little bit different. It was like all of a sudden, ah. And so having patience and having a, a genuine understanding that what they're going through is tough, it's hard. They don't know their, their thoughts and feelings from one day to the next. And so helping that and having that great perspective and helping our students navigate these years, that's where boundaries come in because they're going to be butting up against those boundaries all the time. And so for us as parents is to create these boundaries in such a way, one, they can exercise their freedom, they can learn about their environment, and they can learn about who they are, but without being disrespectful and without being, you know, uh, belligerent toward you as a parent as you're trying to help navigate them through the teenage years. And so I want us to have like a, a genuine perspective about the next, you know, 45 minutes for us to be together. And how can we best create these boundaries for our students and our kids in such a way that when they succeed and they grow and, and they kind of experience their world in a healthy way, if, if your teenager is going to mess up, and they will, you want them to mess up in your home. Because you're there, and you can guide emotionally and physically. You can guide them through those times. Um, that was one of our Shelly and I's biggest deal. We, if our girls were going to mess up, we wanted them to mess up here. We wanted to mess up with us, because we can lovingly guide them and get them through whatever they're dealing with. And so um, these years are <laughs> traumatic. Here's what a teen needs. Teen needs boundaries. One, the battle between the teen. Oh, oh gosh, really. come back not yet the battle between teens desires for total control 
Come on. Is it there? Not yet. Ta-da. Okay. The battle between a teen's desire for total freedom and the parent's desire for total control. And so there's a, there's, there's a big difference here. What, is the, what, of our, what do our teens ultimately want? Freedom. They want to be able to make their choices to do their thing, right? Um, but then there's the parent's desire, right? My responsibility to raise up this kid so they don't fail in a variety of ways of life, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So there's a desire for control, but then there's that desire for freedom. And you can see how those things can sometimes be like rocks in a bag and can create conflict between you and your kids. And so uh, having that understanding, they need those boundaries because of that. And parents must help teens learn boundaries. Um, We've got to do everything we possibly can in using our boundaries, one, for their benefit, but also for us to be able to help them navigate and to grow. And so being strategic in, you know, some of those boundaries and what they are, I mean, and we're going to talk about those here in just a minute, and the importance of having those boundaries in their life. I'm moving on. You ready? we got a long way. What is a boundary? Simply put, boundaries are one's personal property line. So you think about it. You see the picture there, the guardrail. Uh, if you go past the guardrail, what happens? Tragedy, Right? And so it's a safety measure. It is kind of the, the, that dividing line to where if you go outside of that boundary, one, I can't protect you, and I don't know what's on the other side of that boundary. Um, and so it is a, it's a kind of a, 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 for lack of a better term, what Townsend would use in the book is a property line. The realization that you, can, you can't go this far. You can only go this far. Outside of that, I, there's, there's so much unknown. And I, that's not my property. But on this side, you know where it is. And you can think about boundaries as being, you know, moral. You can think about boundaries as being physical. I had boundaries when I was a kid growing up. I could only ride my bike for so far, right? I can only go to the end of the block, to the end of the block. And that was as far as I could go. That was my boundary. And if I went past that, guess what happened? I got grounded, right? They took my bike away. <gasps> and then I went on foot. Uh then I climbed a tree, broke my arm, and then I really got in trouble um, because I was outside the boundary <laughs> when I broke my arm. Tragic consequences. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, simply put, boundaries are that under, does everybody understand that so far? You tracking with me? Okay. Um, when you say no to someone's bad behavior, you're setting a boundary. Boundaries are good for you and good for the other person for boundaries help people clarify what they are and are not responsible for in life. So if you think about some of the boundaries that you create for your kids and the things that you say no to. One, a practical example, too much chocolate. Okay? Uh, The boundary you would probably put in there, you can only have one piece of chocolate a day, right? That, what you just said is a boundary. And if they come up to ask you, can I have two pieces of chocolate, what do you say? No, all right? So you just established a boundary. So far, so good? Another physical thing is a light socket. You cannot put your finger in a light socket, right? <laughs> so what's the boundary you create for your kids? One, you say, don't put your finger in the light socket. But what happens when they go running over there? What's the one word you're yelling? 
no, <laughs> don't do it, right? And you just establish the boundary. They understand that that's not right. And so you see how boundaries can be beneficial, and it also can help you in correcting bad behavior. And I'm going to walk you through a little bit tonight on how you can maximize the boundaries and let the boundaries be the one that determines the bad behavior, yes or no, not necessarily you. And so if you establish a healthy boundary in your teen's life, and they will come up against it all the time, allowing that boundary to be the one that gives the discipline and not necessarily you, if that makes sense. Um, reckless driving. You know, a teenager gets a driver's license, right? You can't go past the speed limit. What would happen if you go past the If you get a speeding ticket, I'm taking your keys away and dropping you off the insurance. What did you just do? You establish a boundary, and then when they go speeding and they get a ticket, guess what's going to happen? What are they going to think? I'm losing my keys, and they're dropping me off the insurance. You let the boundary do the speaking before they get there. So far, so good. You tracking with me? Um, so this is what a boundary is. Sometimes it's no, but sometimes yes, right? Um, let's keep going. Boundaries provide structure, self-control, and a sense of ownership. I just kind of explained that one. Um, we'll go on to the next one. Knowing when to say yes and how to say no, that is how to implement and enforce healthy, loving boundaries with your adolescent. Uh, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Don't be wishy-washy. When you set a boundary, you say no to a, your, your teen, let that no be no. That is being, that you're holding that boundary for them. You're helping them to see that mom and dad are not going to budge here. My, my no means no and my yes means yes. When they ask, those kind of things. Um, and how you say no is really important. Not necessarily my way or the highway, but a no with a healthy why. That helps your teen because they're, they're exploring their world and they need to know the why. They need to understand why you're you know, saying no in this point. Uh, saying that it's just because I said so doesn't always fly with teenagers. It might fly with a five-year-old, right? It might fly with an eight-year-old, but it's not going to fly with a 15-year-old because they are in that spot of uh, exercising their own responsibility and wanting to have their own freedom. And when you simply say no because I said so, what are, they're going to bow up almost every single time. Or they're going to storm out of the room, and it's going to be World War III for the next week. Because you tell me no, and I got to know why. So being strategic with your nose and allowing uh, a good, healthy why behind that. And you could even say, I, I don't know. <laughs> Give me some time to think about it, and I'll get back to you. And that may be a moment for you to kind of check out and go, hey, I need to investigate what am I saying no to, <laughs> you know, or going over to a friend's house to party or all those kind of things, um, or going out and adventuring. And do you, what do you say yes to? What do you say no to? And then how you say no helps them with that boundary and understanding why that's a good no. So far, so good? Tracking? Hey, stop me at any time, okay? Stop me at any time, legit. All right, setting boundaries alone isn't enough to make you a good parent. You need to also love, have a sense of reality, sense of support, wisdom, patience, and your own growth as well. You take all of these things and you work them together, then you can exercise boundaries with your teens in a really good way. They need to know they love you. 
and you need to communicate your love to them. And because you say no doesn't mean that you don't love. You can still love and say no as a parent. And helping your students understand that. I'm saying no because, one, I love you, and two, I think it's dangerous. And I don't think it's behavior you need to be about. So having a good, healthy no. Well, come on. It's a bad attitude. Yeah. Agreed. And so, I mean, that's where a healthy why. A healthy why is important if you're going to give a good no. I mean, if you're going to give a hard no, give a hard no with a good why. And not just because I said so. Um, or I'm the parent, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Parented. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And it's a different culture, too. A different group of students than when we were kids, for sure. Yeah. Right. Eventually. Uh, but back then, when we were 10, we didn't have Google, right? You, you know, we didn't have the, the, the YouTubes, uh, that kind of thing. Like it, I mean, there's so much out there that, well, my parents said yes, but hey, YouTube said I could, you know, or well, my social media, my TikTok says it's all right, you know? Um, and we're going to talk into social stuff here in just a minute. And how do you say no to, you know, okay, we'll get to get there. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's, a, it's a good understanding that, I'm doing, we're exercising boundaries because I love you, because I'm trying to, as a parent, I've lived some life here, I've got some wisdom here, I want to try to contribute to you being a better person, uh, that support, that wisdom, and patience, good Lord, we need patience with students, uh, we, we just need to, uh, and so pulling all of those things, and you're even growing as a parent, you don't have it all licked. You don't understand. I mean, you're still learning and growing how to parent teens in the first place, right? And so having a sense of understanding about yourself and also helping your student in the same, in the same way. Uh, let's get the big picture. What are your goals when it comes to your teens? I want you to take a minute just to yourself and think about your kids. What are the goals that you have for them? Do those goals have anything to do with character, morality? Or do those goals have something to do with getting a college scholarship so I don't have to pay for college? That's real talk right there. I have a college student. I'm making a second mortgage right now. So Jesus first. You want your kids to love God 
Absolutely, that relationship is rock solid, firm foundation. Yes, and a lot of those things in having that, some of the other stuff will kind of fall into place. Right, for sure. We would have a biblical perspective. I hope all of us being, you know, part of Bellevue, we would have that ultimate goal of having a biblical parenting viewpoint when it comes to our kids, right? We want our kids, obviously, your kids, all of your kids are involved in, you know, probably our next-gen ministries here. So uh, you have a heart for your kids to know Christ and to experience Christ fully in their lives. And so one of those goals, absolutely, for sure, is to love Jesus. I don't know about you, I've been doing student ministry for a long time, and I know a lot of kids who have who love Jesus that just don't make it. Like they are off the rails when it comes to their behavior uh, and disrespect toward family members and disrespect toward authority to school teachers. And, and it's all under the, uh, I go to church, I'm a, I'm a you know, I, I'm a, I, I know Jesus, but yet the fruit of their life doesn't, doesn't, you know, um, doesn't display that. Uh, I'm not throwing any of your kids under the bus, by the way. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying I've been around, and I've seen that. And I, and I want every one of our parents to have that goal to have love Jesus first. But there's got to be some teeth. There's got to be some discipline. There's got to be some boundaries in their life to help them understand what that really means. And how can I uh, love God and love other people? And so if I disrespect someone, then I need to, as a parent, help guide my teen to have healthy respect for the people around them and to love others that way. Um, as Christ loves me, I want to love other people. And so I have to help them uh, navigate that sometimes and how they treat me as a parent, but also how they treat authority and then how they treat their friends is a reflection of that relationship. And so for me to help navigate some of those horizontal relationships, I probably need to put some boundaries in place for them to understand what's right, what's wrong, and all those kind of things. So I would affirm what you're saying, but I would also kind of caveat it too and say it's it's not necessarily um, an out for us as parents. I'm trying to get them in, cry, in church, and if they're in that and they're doing Jesus things, then it's going to be good. I don't have to worry about all the other things. Ah, we're working with teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, right, for sure. You model it, and hopefully they catch it, and you teach it, and then expect it, you know, from them. Um, so those goals that, and desires you have for your teens will help you create the boundaries that you need. This one exactly, you know, I'm going to model godly behavior. And so I, I, want, I want my kids to be in the Word every day. So I'm going to come alongside them as a parent and encourage them. I'm going to give them devotionals. I'm going to give them a good Bible they can understand and read. And I'm going to help carve out some time for them in the, in the course of our family day such that they can spend some time in the Word. You're, what are you doing? You're creating boundaries, right? You're creating that moment for them to succeed and have that freedom and that desire that you would want for them. Uh, for us, it's in the morning. Well, for Hannah, it was the morning. For Chloe, it's at night. <laughs> she, she's in the Word every night. Hannah was get up early in the morning. I don't know how she did. Maybe her, I, I don't. But she would get up. She still to this day gets up early, and is in the Word. Um, and it was just something that we 
taught and we kind of expected our girls to be about. And we kind of carved out that moment for them. Even when we go on vacation, we did the same thing. Um, and getting our girls in, we would get in the Word, and our girls would get in the Word. And then we would start the day. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can do it on vacation too, by the way. Um, learn to push the important button, not the urgent button. Woo, that's good. The things that are important, not necessarily urgent. Um, ha- the, the encouragement here, the wisdom here is in the middle of discipline, in the middle of the big blow-up, it's really important to not just re- knee-jerk respond. Maybe it's a moment where you have a timeout, a freeze, a, let me get some perspective here. And I'm going to either insert a boundary, I'm going to start a boundary because of this blow-up that's happening in my home right now, or I'm going to come up against a boundary that I've already established, and I'm going to remind our kids about what that is. And so having a healthy perspective and getting perspective as a parent and being somewhat strategic, don't always just knee-jerk and just and not just the urgent button because it's blowing up right now and I have to respond to da-da-da-da. Have some perspective, gain some perspective, and then re-engage. Don't disengage altogether. Take a break. You're showing that it's important. Whoo, I see this is a big one. <laughs> Whoo, I see you're, you're, you're flaming up about this one. Oh, my gosh, right? You know, who, let, I, your, your emergency is not necessarily my emergency. Let me, let, me, let me hear what you got to say. Let me, let's talk about this or what disappointment you're going through or what, you know. Let me, let me get, and I want to get back to you. And then you insert back what, and you affirm what's important and get to the core heart of the matter. And that's what you're diving into. And that's what you're gaining. So many times when it blows up in front of us, we always need your can respond. Guilty as charged. That's me. And it's, I have to tell myself, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. One, let me pray about it. Two, I'm going to seek the Lord or seek wise counsel, and then I'm going to re-engage. I never not re-engage. I always re-engage because your teen needs it. They need to hear from you because they're butting up against you for whatever reason. They need to hear from you. Okay? I'll keep going. Here's the thing. It's never too late to start boundaries. If you think, oh, my kid's too far gone, no. And Dr. Cloud and Mr. Townsend here, these guys who wrote the book, it always is a great time to start. If you start tonight, right, go for it. Allow those boundaries to start working for you and with you as you navigate teenagehood, all right? Um, None of us in this room are perfect. None of us, okay? We have got our success stories and we have our failure stories. All of us do. But it's never too late. If you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm, my kid's too far gone, eh, I would disagree with you. And I think the doctor would too. He would say healthy boundaries can make a significant difference. First, they are still dependent on their parents. As teenagers, they are still dependent upon you. Teens do not have total freedom and permission. They don't. Some of you need to hear that because your teen is screaming for freedom right now. And they don't have to have total freedom and permission. They're still under your home, and they're still learning, and they're still growing. Number three, the time it takes to fix matters isn't necessarily the same amount of time it took for things to go wrong. Hmm, that's good wisdom. Do I need to say that again? 
that was really good. It, the time it takes to fix matters isn't necessarily the same amount of time it took for things to go wrong. And so the wisdom here, one, it's never too late to start having boundaries with your kids. Always try your best <laughs> and knowing full well that you're not always going to get it right. Admit those mistakes and move on. You know, even admit them to your teen. I'm sorry I missed it there. Can we can we retry that again, and then reengage? Um, all right, I'm gonna keep going. Uh, I want you to round your table, take a little break, a little time out. Why is it so important for for parents to have boundaries before they give boundaries to their teenagers? Oh, that's a great question. I'll let y'all talk about it at your table real quick. Now, there's a bunch of couples at tables. <laughs> Maybe talk to your spouses about it, you know. Why is it important for parents to have boundaries just as much as we give boundaries to our kids? Somebody want to tackle the answer there? Yeah. Right. Right. Do what? More is caught than taught. That's good. Anybody else there? I might step on some toes, but I'm going to use an example. I think a classic example is screen time. Classic example. <laughs> classic example of this. If we can model the same boundaries that we expect our kids to model, oh, how that just is so healthy. How that's so healthy. As a family, you make a decision to limit screen time. Right? Um, I'm sorry, I'm stepping on toes. I'm, I'm guilty, but... I've, I've learned I got to put it down. Um, there are times when I walk in the house and I'll put it on the kitchen counter and leave it. And just leave it. Now my watch is connected to it, but anyway. <laughs> um, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I don't have it in front of me. It's not here. And especially not here when my kids are in the room. And I've just set that as my boundary. If my kids are in the room, I'm not here. Because I want my kids to know that I'm for them in that moment. And it's little, and that's a little thing, but that's, that's a boundary. You know, we could even say texting and driving. We can start there. You know, is that a boundary that we want our kids to have? Well, then don't text and drive as a, as a parent, right? <clears throat> so it's so vitally important that if we're going to teach our kids to have boundaries, we need to model those boundaries. We need to do our best to put the phone down, or we need to do the best, you know, not to look at, stuff on our phone that, you know, we shouldn't be looking at, all those kind of things. And some of you could probably argue with me back and forth, well, I'm the parent and I'm older and I can do what I want to do and all those kind of things. And you're right, you probably can. You can do whatever you want to do. But I would say it's not wise as it relates to your kids and how they see you interact with boundaries, 
I mean, you guys have boundaries. You're all around in your life. Whether you're working, you know, uh, driving, there's boundaries when you drive, right? The speed limit and stop signs and all the things, right? You know, those are intended for our safety. And if we abide by those, we would hope that our kids would see us do that. And we can do that too. And they can do that too. And so, um, in other words, don't be wishy-washy as a parent. Don't expect one thing and do another. There you go. That's all I'll say about that. We'll move on. Um, being a boundary. <clears throat> Four key capacities for parents. or capa- Yeah, capacities. Um, here we go. One, definition. The ability to know who you are, what you want, and what you value. So define it. What are the things that you, as a, as a person, who are you? And what boundaries are you putting in your place in order for that to succeed? What are you saying no to, even in your own heart, in your own life, in being a boundary? Define that. Um, Next, separateness. Separateness isn't about distance. Parents need to refrain from taking responsibility for their children's feelings. Wow. Wow. Um, this This is a big one. Because for many parents... We identify ourselves in our kids, and our value comes from them. And it's not found in our own identity. It's found in our identity of our kids. And Dr. Townsend would suggest there needs to be some separation in order for you to parent effectively and not be so enmeshed, if if that's a word, uh, with your kids. You are the parent. They are the child. It's not both and. And you could even, this is the, the common thing about friend. Are you your kid's friend, your best friend? And are, is your kid your best friend? Or do you have a best friend outside of uh, that relationship? Are there other adults that you're connecting with and you're finding that kind of relationship in not, not being best friends with your kids? That'll really help with boundaries, by the way. You won't, be, you won't feel so bad about putting a boundary in place. Oh, this is going to hurt them, you know. That's my dad's phrase. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. You know, um, there's that phrase. But he, Dr. Townsend would say that you, you need to kind of separate yourself, not just physically and physically distance, but separate them even emotionally and where you're finding your, um, your need for relationship. Uh, honesty, being truthful with your kids and living in reality. Oh, gosh. We could talk about this all night long. This is just one little topic. What is culture creating? Culture is creating a fantasy world of things that are okay. They're okay. Culture is saying homosexuality is okay. Marriage anybody, you know, marry anybody you want. Is that true? No, from the biblical perspective, absolutely not. But culture is saying, yeah, it's fine. Go for it. And so having someone, being a person that's honest and truthful with your kids and saying, there's a reason why this is not acceptable, and here's the reason why, you know? And you kind of walk it out and talk it out. You got your hand up. Do you 
talk about it in your home. Um, I'll tell you personally what I do. I don't watch very much TV, honestly. Uh, and the movies that I watch are typically not ones that I would want, not want my kids to watch, typically. Uh, now, I've seen a couple R-rated movies. Usually it's by myself. Like, you know, and <laughs> anyway, I filter myself. And if I see something, and Shelly and I have had several different conversations with our girls when they were growing up. If we would see something on TV that was not morally pure, we would always call it out. We would always say, oh, that's probably not right. We probably need to bounce our eyes a little bit. Let me change the channel. And we would model that. We would teach that. And so now when our girls are watching these movies, they understand, oh, that's not right. And culture inserted that one in the movie, you know. They, they've developed that filter in their own heart because when the, they were little, I would always just kind of bounce it. Shelly is notorious for this. She is great at this. She'll even call it out. Hey, we need to turn that off. We need to turn that off. Turn that off. Turn that off, right? You know, uh, that's kind of mama's place in a lot of different things. And I'm like, oh, they're old enough, you know. <laughs> but uh, but Shelly's even when we have a 15 and a 19-year-old, and she's like, turn it off, turn it off. It, it's it's that same kind of filter that we started at the very beginning. Um but typically, if I'm watching a show that I think is innocent and there's something that comes up, an agenda that's obviously being posted, I will call it out with my kids. That's, I don't, do you see that? Those two girls kissing? That's not good. That's not right. That's lesbianism. And the Bible says that's not, that's not healthy. And usually we'll bounce it or we'll just kind of address it and deal with it in the moment. That's how we do it. Oh, yeah. Where did this come from? Right. Designated Survivor was so good the first two seasons, but season three, when they started cussing every other episode, I had to turn it off, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Yep. Yeah. There you go. That's it. That's exactly right. They learn it in your home. Hopefully, when they leave your home, those boundaries are still there. I think there's one more. Yeah, persistence. Uh, this is a good quality we need to have as a parent. Teens need this headbutting with their parents in order to learn how to negotiate with reality. Um, headbutting, I think, is a great term to use as it relates to this, um, as it relates to boundaries. They're going to butt up against those boundaries. They are. Because they're exploring the world, they want freedom. They're going to do that. You need to expect that. Don't be shocked by it. But also that persistence for you to hold the line. To hold the line. They will manipulate you. They will reason it out with you. They will. But you got to hold the line. You got to. They were going to butt up against it, and they'll pull back a little bit. Next month, they'll butt up against it, and they'll wait another six months, and they'll butt up against it again just to see how persistent you are as a parent. And you need to hold the line just as much as they helping them understand it. And if it's a repetitive behavior, 
we'll talk about that here in just a second about consequences of repetitive behavior then the consequences need to get a little bit firmer and firmer and firmer so they help so you help them understand there's no way you're going to cross this line there's no way you're going to cross this boundary all right getting connected i'm going to fly through these four characteristics for good connection because i want to get to the consequences side of things um grace when you have relationships with people you have grace you know that you don't have to have it all together um Staying connected with your, your, your teens, you got to have grace with them, and they need to, under, to understand to have grace with you as well. You're having to navigate culture in a way that you've never had to navigate culture before, and you're dealing with issues that you've never had to be dealt with, and that student needs, that kid needs to have, especially a teenager can get there with you, grace with you just as much as you have grace with them. And so having that mutual connection there. Identification, other parents' lives are just as crazy. Can I get an amen? We're all in this together. <laughs> We're all in this. We all have teenagers in our home, and yes, it's crazy. We're all dealing with some sort of crazy, all of us. So just to help, just, you know, normalize that for a, little, a lot of us. You're not alone in your struggle with your teen. Guidance. Get connected with a mature person, uh, people who have been down that road. I would love, I'm, I'm going to offer Shelly and I to you. We would love to have these conversations with you. I had a conversation with a, uh, a couple who has a teenager in their 15-year-old in their home today. Like three hours ago, I had a conversation with them. They were sitting in my office, and we were just crying together and uh, trying to figure this thing out. How do we best navigate this? And uh, I just want you to know that Shelly and I are for you. We are for you. We don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. And I want to be faithful to help you down the road if we can do that. Or if there is someone else in your life, if you don't have that uh, source of mature counsel in your life as you parent teenagers, I would encourage you to find that person. And then reality. People are grounded can help stabilize you. You need to have that sense of reality in your life. Uh, Don't always watch the news. Don't always believe the hearsay. Find it out for yourself. Secure yourself in the foundation of reality about certain issues and different things that are going on right now. Roe v. Wade is a big thing right now. Big thing. And our teenagers are watching this. They're watching this, and they're curious about abortion. Why is it wrong? Why are so people on the TV saying, it's my body, my body, I can do what I want to it? Why are they saying that, right? Pro-choice, pro-life, what does that mean? And they're navigating this. And they're not coming to you. They're going to TikTok or they're going to Instagram or they're going to Snapchat or they're going to other YouTubes uh, to figure all these things out. You need to be about, you need to help them navigate this. Talk about it if it's going on in, in culture. I've done that throughout the years with my girls. Sometimes they'll ask questions, genuine questions about certain things. And praise the Lord, I have read something that is helping me to navigate it. So finding that source of uh, reality in your life. Okay, those are four characteristics for good connections. So far, so good? Right. (sighs) Group discussion. Um, As you were growing up, what was one of the consequences you were given you remember the most? And why do you remember it? So I'm going to spend the remaining time. We have about 10 minutes left, and then I want to do some Q&A. I want to talk about consequences. You know, when they cross a boundary, what happens? When you were growing up, what was the one consequence that you remember? You got a whooping. I got a whooping too. A bunch of times. 
<laughs> and there's so many different sides of that issue today. I mean, I mean do, you, do you spank them? Do you not spank them? Do you ground them? Do you not ground them? All the things. Uh, there's so many different sides, and I won't get into the, the politics of that one. But um, for me, I'll tell you my story. It was the RA belt. The RA stands for Royal Ambassadors. And my dad handmade a thick leather. I mean, it was that thick. It was a good quarter-inch thick leather and had a big old buckle on it, RAs, you know, because he was the RA commander at our church. And he had literally imprinted, embossed this piece of leather and made this belt. And he had all the RAs do it. And he had it hanging in his closet, and that's what he used to spank us, us boys. And so you talk about a memory. That's a memory. And I remember... In particular, my dad sitting in the chair, dealing with all the things that me and my brother, and my dad would say this, son, go get the RA belt. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm walking as slow as I possibly can, right? Because <laughs> I know what's coming. I know what's coming. And sure enough, I was a sarcastic little 13-year-old. I, I didn't get the RA belt. I got the other one. I got one of the other ones, and I brought it to him, and he goes, uh-uh, go back, get the RA belt. I was like, oh, Dad, come on. <laughs> sure enough, I got a spanking um, with the RA belt. I remember that. Uh, that made an embedded memory in my, in my. I still talk about it today. Um, there's so many different other things. Oh, gosh. Uh, and so here's the thing with discipline. It, it works when it's used well, and it's used with the right intention. When they, especially if they break a boundary, if they bust through a boundary, right? <laughs> my, I tell my girls, don't do anything to disgrace the family name. So when they, when they disgrace the family name, <laughs> there's consequences there, right? Um, and what are those consequences? A parent who has done their homework has already established what those consequences are as they have put that boundary in place. That helps you as a parent to hold that line. I'll use the example of speeding. I've used that already. For your teenager who gets the keys to the car, if they come home with a speeding ticket, right, uh, or if I hear that you've been speeding, I will take the keys away and you'll be dropped from the insurance for two weeks. Now, you don't really drop them from the insurance. You just say that. Um, but, you, you know, you, ca you can't drive. The keys are mine. Are you good with that? Okay. Okay. A month later, that's what happens. They come home. The sheriff caught them. They're doing 55 and a 40, right? And um, that's a problem. Uh, that's reckless. So they bring that ticket to you. You don't have to say anything. Son, you know what happened. You broke the speed limit. You came home with a ticket. What did I tell you before? That boundary you had set is working for you in that moment. Yeah, Dad, you told me it would be two weeks and you'll take me off the insurance. Here's, the, you know, yep, son, give me the keys. It's not really an argument anymore. It shouldn't be an argument because the boundary is already working for you. And so you take those keys and you put them in your pocket or you put them in the chest. And I say, in two weeks, we'll get back together. We'll talk about it. And so that's the boundary, how that boundary worked for you in that moment. It helped them to understand responsibility. Oh, and they had to pay the ticket too, by the way. Uh, whether they worked for you or they worked for someone else to pay for it. And so that's a part of the consequence that, you know, that crossing that boundary. That's a classic example for 
that was actually my consequence when I was driving. And I came home with two speeding tickets in one day uh, from the same cop in the same spot. But that's a whole different, <laughs> whole different. <laughs> that is a true story. I'm not exaggerating. Um, so let's dig a little bit behind your teen's problem. What the, I'm going to skip through this. I'm going to get to the boundaries. Um, all right. Four anchors for boundary setting. One, love. Two, truth. I have some rules and some requirements. Three, freedom. You get to choose if you're going to respect it or reject it. They want freedom, right? Give them that freedom. Allow them to have that freedom. They have that choice to reject it. And then reality, here's what will happen. That's the consequences. So when instilling these consequences, instilling these boundaries, you need to take these four things into consideration. One, I love them, and I'm going to establish this boundary. Two, right? The, here's, I have some rules. Here's the truth. Here's the rules for it. No speeding, da, 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 all those things. Here's the freedom. You get to do it. I'm giving you the keys. Have a great time. And then what happens, the reality of what will happen, what those consequences are. Those are four anchors for helping you establish a firm boundary. So far, so good. Do I need to move on to the next one? Some of you are riding like mad. Okay. Uh, don't get derailed. We talked about this. Accept resistance is normal. They are going to butt against those boundaries. Accept resistance. Don't be shocked by it. Do your homework. Do your homework. Find out what, when, where, and all those kind of things. Involve your teen in the rules and consequences. This is really key. This is really good, especially with teenagers. They want to know. They want to have buy-in. They want to have buy-in. So when Hannah got the keys to her car, we sat down at the kitchen table before I even gave her the car. I had her sit down at the kitchen table, and it was Shelly, Hannah, and I, and Chloe was around in the room, but she was listening really intently. She's an eavesdropper because um, she was wanting to know what's going to happen for her when she gets her keys. And I had a driving contract, a legit driving contract. You can find these online. I got one if you want one, but I have a driving contract, and it stated all of these things about people in the car, wearing your seatbelt, distracted driving, cell phone usage, all those kind of things. And there's a little spot for her to sign it. And it, we established a healthy boundary right there in that moment. And it was a, a conversation. Hannah, how do you feel about this? Ah, you know, I understand safety. I don't like this one. And, you know, all this kind of thing. It was a good little conversation. But at the end of the conversation, it was like, okay, you agree to this, yes or no? Yeah. Now, granted, she wanted the keys. There was a little bit of motivation there, right? <laughs> and so she signed that contract. I signed that contract. I actually have it in the safe at the house. Um, and we agreed. And I said, wonderful. And I gave her the keys. I said, I hope you have a great day. You can go wherever you want. Have fun. And it was a really cool moment. She got the freedom that she wanted, but she also learned what she could and could not do. I don't, I, you could use that example for a lot of different issues in your home. A lot of different issues. We could even drop at what age is appropriate for a cell phone. We could talk about that. And what are the boundaries for using that cell phone? Have you established boundaries for that cell phone? Or did you just give them that cell phone and hope they didn't do it? Oh, I locked it down. They can't download apps and stuff. Okay, that's a good natural boundary. But what character development did you talk about in that cell phone? Did you talk about what is appropriate and not appropriate? What image can you send and not send? Did you actually talk about that? Or did you just, not, or you just assume that they would have that phone? You just gave them a fire hydrant and said, drink. 
<laughs> Take a swig. Uh, what are some things that you did to help them understand what is right and wrong in using that device? Those, that's a boundaries conversation. That's a boundaries conversation. And you can use this exact same formula for almost any and every boundary you come up with. But involvement, your teen involvement is really essential. I'm getting passionate. Uh, contain. Don't escalate your teen's reaction. Ooh, that's good. When things go wrong, contain yourself. Don't escalate it. Listen empathetically. Be a good listener. Don't be a good yeller. <laughs> Guilty. Um, be charm-proof. Ooh, this is good wisdom. This is good wisdom, especially if you've got girls. <laughs> be charm-proof. Keep the limit. This is where I would encourage you as a parent, hold the line. If you set a boundary, hold the line. And as mad as a hornet they would get, hold the line. They're going to butt up against that boundary. They're going to come against you. It's okay. Let them work it out. That's something internal. It's not your fault, although they will tell you, right? This is all your fault. Is it? Is it? Is it really all my fault? How much did you play in this? Right? Especially if they derailed. Especially if they uh, broke the boundary. Who broke the boundary? Was it me or was it you? And so having that line and holding that line, establishing that line and sticking to it. And then beware the compliant teen. The silent one, the ninja, right? The ninja. <laughs> Being silent, right? Uh, ask some curious questions if they start to go silent. What are you thinking, you know? <laughs> are you starting to feel guilty, you know? Uh, are you guilty? <laughs> Not necessarily feeling, but are you guilty? Uh, are they sneaking around? Those kind of things. That kind of behavior is a sign, is a red flag to start asking questions as a parent and start investigating some things, right? Get curious. Um, consequences 101. I put all of these up at one time because I, I want you to write down some of these. When you're giving out consequences, this is really important because the consequences can help you in this one, holding that line of the boundary, but also can actually help you moving forward and developing character and, um, and integrity in their heart and their life. Uh, for as a parent, maximizing consequences is a beautiful thing. Learn the art of consequences. And don't always go to the most drastic consequence first, especially if it's a first-time offense, okay? I'm going to snatch that up for a year. <laughs> that is a drastic consequence, y'all. You're not teaching them responsibility at all. You're just, you know, teaching removal. Uh, so I'm going to take this up for five days, right? That's a little bit more, you know. Anyway, be realistic about your remove the desirable and the undesirable. One of the greatest in, this, in the chapter in this book, he says, it's not necessarily removing things from their life. Sometimes you can add things to their life. Um, I don't recommend this, but I had a family, this is a long time ago, they were raising all boys, they had four boys, and they lived on property. And every time the boys got out of line or they needed to discipline the boys, they wouldn't necessarily spank them, although they did. They would say, go out into the backyard and cut down a tree. And when you get done cutting down that tree with this hand axe, and you get it chopped up for firewood, then your consequence is done. 
I was like, wow. And depending on the offense was the size of the tree. <laughs> and I thought, that is so creative. I wouldn't do that, but that is so creative. That, that dad thought about it, right? He's raising boys. And, you know, having those kind of, so I would encourage you to think about it as a, you know, it, you know, as parents, as, what, what, what's a good consequence? And what's the maximum and what's the minimum? The maximum is you've got to get their attention. The minimum is you're, you're shooting one across the bow and letting them know that, hey, this is not right. And I have to correct this. The max is like, you're in deep trouble, you know? Uh, and so think about those, the level of consequences that you would give. It's, remember, it's not necessarily taking away. Sometimes it's adding chores um, or going to bed early or getting up earlier or there's a lot of different things you, you can do uh, to help instill a little bit more character building. Uh, don't interfere with natural consequences. I'll tell you a quick story. Natural consequences are sometimes the best teachers, and you don't necessarily have to instill another consequence on top of the natural one. Classic example. Uh, this is several years ago. Uh, a student uh, in our ministry was with a group of friends, had a baseball bat, was going through the mall parking lot, and was knocking off rearview mirrors. Was caught on video, him and about four of his friends. The, obviously, the police came out, scooped him up, and took him to jail, like took him downtown. And the one phone call was to his dad. His dad, hey, dad, I'm at the jail. Can you come pick me up? Dad's like, why are you at the jail? He says, I was busting out mirrors, and you need to come get me. All right. So he, dad is furious, obviously, and is on his way to the jail, calls me. I don't know why, but he calls me. He says, hey, I'm having to pick up my son from the jail. He's busting out mirrors. And I said, um, what, what are you going to do? He says, I'm probably going to get bail. I'm just going to you know, bail him out. I said, well, how much is that? He says, like $2,000. I was like, do you have that? And he's like, no, I'll just, you know, I'll just you know, get a bail bond or whatever. And I was like, no. <laughs> how long is he going to be in jail? Well, at least one night. I said, what's wrong with letting him stay one night? And he, he, I mean, it just didn't even dawn on him that that was even an option. And so he gets to the jail, looks at his son, and says, son, I'm sorry. I don't have $2,000. I guess you're going to have to stay in jail overnight. Ooh, you would have thought he blew a gasket, right? And guess what happened? He ended up staying the night in jail. Dad came back to pick him up about 8 o'clock the next morning. You talk about a natural consequence. That son learned his lesson about vandalism in a really strong way. And it led to a lot of great conversations afterwards. That's a success story of natural consequences. That always, but natural consequences are a great teacher. Um, and sometimes we as parents fear the natural consequences because it's shame on us. We think we sucked as a parent. I can't believe my son or daughter did that. Y'all, it's okay. There are stories on stories of stories that I could tell you over and over again of parents who allowed the natural consequences not to shake their faith, but to engage a conversation with their kids that ultimately led to a great godly young woman and a godly young man. And so natural consequences are a really good teacher and uh, allowing some of those to happen. Don't always save your kids. Um. 
Make consequences something that matters to the teen. Have more than one kind of consequence. Persevere the good. Distinguish between misdemeanors and felonies. That's a good word. Use rewards strategically. No responsibility equals no privileges. All right, I made it to the end. We got Q&A. I would love to hear some feedback from y'all. Questions you might have. I just unloaded a dump truck of a lot of different things. And I would love to hear your thoughts. And if you need to slip out, obviously you need to slip out. Go ahead and do that. But I'm here to answer any questions that you might have. Reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Um, and my, my two are exactly the same. Um, Hannah would butt up against it. Chloe's like, oh, you know, if I just looked at her, she would melt, right? Um, so my two were different, but I had the same boundary, like the same expectation. Um, and how you discipline one child to the next, it probably is where it differs. You know, the one that's really hard, you know, you probably need the consequences need to be a lot stronger. And the one that kind of backs off, you know, probably not so much. Does that make sense? So the boundary stays the same, but maybe your consequences may determine the level of personality and strong-headedness and all the things. What else? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The crime, I love it. <laughs> Well, Dr. Townsend would say, hold the line, even as many times as they come up against it. You know, I use that illustration, like, you know, after two weeks, you discipline them. A month later, they break it again. Six months later, they break it again. Hold the line and even elevate your consequences as you go up. Maybe the first time, hit one right across the bow, maybe a light consequence. Next one, a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. But always hold the line. That's what's important. You want to be a woman of your word. If you say no... And here's the reason why no, you need to hold that line and let your no be no and your yes be yes. The last thing you need is to kind of be wishy-washy. Well, it's okay now. Oh, this time is different or this feels different and it's because you don't want the fight. You're afraid of the fight. And Dr. Townsend would say, hold the line. It's not always gonna be this way. And if you allow that boundary to be that, you know, that line for you and let the boundary work for you, Yes, you'll have to have the repetitive conversation over and over again, but you always instill it, always instill it, always instill it. He'll get it, hopefully, or she. She'll get it. Well, now I I know mama ain't going to like this, right?
have you had a conversation, like a, almost like a confrontational conversation with them? Like, I see you're complaining all the time. What, you know, like, help me understand why. Like, literally, help me understand why. Why, why are you complaining so much? And then ask some curious questions there. You might get to the root of it. Well, I just don't like this, or I just, you know, this happened, and then, you know, I want it to be this way. Then you'll finally get to the root of it. You might start there with just asking curious questions about where is this attitude coming from. Don't assume. Ask. Let them talk. Let them tell you. Yeah, there you go. Right. And that may be hard, and that's definitely hard to navigate. And Dr. Townsend would say in the book, it's important to be on a united front. And even in a, in a split personality, or a split home, not personality, that's where, that's where it would be really bad. But in a split home, navigating that, right? Navigating and having a conversation with your ex saying, hey, I'm having problems at home. Are you having the same problems? You're not talking about your marriage. You're not talking about the past. You're talking about your kids, which you both genuinely love. And so having, trying to have a conversation about your kids to try to get on the same page and to get down to the root of the issue. Right. Right. Why? Why are you afraid of your past? Right. But you also need to communicate to your kids you're not perfect. So, you, I mean, you want to admit your failures, right? Take, take about the moments when you missed it. I mean, you're not perfect. You don't want to be, uh, you don't want to display this idea that I'm the perfect parent and I always know what, you know, what, what's right and what's wrong because you don't. And that's, you're, you're lying to your kids when you, you kind of display that kind of person, persona. You don't always get it right. And your kids, they know, you know, that you're not perfect, so why try to fake it? Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> Darn, they caught me. <laughs> so how do you respond to that? Do you? I mean, what do you do? No, they're laughing because they find you human. Mm-hmm. My girls love it when I tell stories about when I was a kid. They just giggle and laugh and all those things. And I, I have done some dumb things. And, I, and the, the speeding ticket one, I, I've told that story to my girls. They know that. They know that story. Uh, same spot by the same officer. Is when he pulled me over the second time, he goes, "Didn't I see you earlier today?" <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, you did. <laughs> it was Highway 98 at the end of Hurlburt Airfield Airstrip, right there on Highway 98 in Fort Walton Beach. Yep. The speed limit goes from 55 to 45, and yeah, he caught me at 60. Uh, so, anyway, both times. 
I'm done. I'll stick around. Would love to talk with you. And if you have any further specific questions, would love to dive into those with you as well. All right. Thank you for your time tonight. Hopefully it was beneficial, equips you a little bit more. All right, Jay. All right. Thank you, Steve. Hey, you do need to leave because all your students have been dismissed, but I want to let you know next week, Corey O'Hara is going to be here next week. And I told you all the first week, maybe you didn't hear that. Corey will teach something that Steve and I, neither one can teach. It's about uh, kind of culture and what's hot and what's not and what you need to avoid. And when your students start saying they watch this guy on YouTube, is he clean or not clean? Steve and I have no clue. We are old. We don't know. But Corey is young, and he will uh, inform us all next week. So we'll see you all next Wednesday night. Thanks for being here.